Welcome to the Jesus Christ, Our Savior and Redeemer podcast, presented by BYU Speeches, featuring BYU devotionals and forums that testify of Christ's teachings, His life, ministry, and mission, and His sacred atonement. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts, or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. This devotional address, entitled Finding a Refuge from the Storm, was given on August 20th of 2002 by L. Tom Perry, then a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. When I listen to where all of you have come from, I just realized I've been there. <laughs> it's wonderful to be with you. You know, the first half of the year 2000 has been a 2002 has been an exciting year in the history of the Church. President Hinckley, in his Pioneer Day commemoration address on July 21st in the conference center, said this, From my childhood, I've had an appreciation for the pioneers, and that initial respect has been enhanced tremendously, far beyond my expectations, by two recent events. President Hinckley went on to say that the two events were the Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City and the dedication of the Nauvoo Temple. He talked about the miracle that has come to pass from that pioneer day to our own. I heartily agree. The Winter Olympics were a, was a wonderful time to be in Salt Lake. How we enjoyed mingling with the throngs of people that were coming from far and near to fill of the Olympic spirit. It was a time of great cooperation and unity in our city. Special care was taken to not make it a Mormon Olympics. Church leaders were careful to see that this was not a proselyting event. Visitors were warmly received with helpful volunteers. We were exposed to the world. That exposure was almost completely positive. Many felt that they were the best Olympics that ever been held. Surveys show following the Olympic Games that there was a marked increase in public understanding of who we are and what we believe in. There was a pronounced increase in those who recognized us as Christians. A remarkable increase. Now we can forget that we're Christians. The second event occurred in June with the dedication of the Nauvoo Temple. The sacrifice of the early saints to build that temple can never be forgotten. Faithful in their ties, and then additional assignments came, and they were prompt in fulfilling those. They donated, donated one day in ten to labor in the construction of the building. Then they were driven from their beautiful home in Nauvoo. They left their centerpiece of the beautiful city, the temple, and it was desecrated and burned to the ground. Can you imagine the feeling of those people as they crossed the Mississippi River and then turned and looked back at their beautiful city that worked so hard to develop, realizing that they'd probably never see it again and they would never have the opportunity of using their beautiful temple? Then they turned their faces west and went into a desert wasteland and started all over again. 
the saints journeyed west to an isolated land, away from the world, where they could organize themselves and build a foundation of strength. With time passing and the blessing of the Lord, the gospel has flourished and membership has expanded in almost all corners of the world. Now there is a new dedicated temple in Nauvoo, on the same spot where the original temple stood. To the communities that once forced the saints to leave their homes, thousands returned to enjoy the temple open house. Visitors were curious about the temple. Others welcomed us back into their presence. The rebuilt temple has become a vital part of the community from which the saints were once driven. These two remarkable events mark a new era of understanding and acceptance of the Church by the peoples of the world. With this new image comes a new and added responsibility to members of the Church. Now we must demonstrate by the way we live that we truly believe in the gospel of our Lord and Savior. These two events were not staged for world acceptance, but they truly represent of who we are and what we stand for. Now, in contrast to these two remarkable events, two other events have occurred in the spring of this year that deeply trouble me. They are in addition to the wars and rumors of wars that seem to perpetuate themselves in almost all corners of the world. My first is in my esteemed profession of accounting. It has taken a big hit and what I thought was the very roots of this profession, integrity. I can no longer tell attorney jokes anymore because they come right back at me with accounting jokes. <laughs> now we find that the most highly respected accounting firms have violated their sacred trust. These firms have caused the reputation of the once honored profession to be in question. They have bowed to corporate greed and have issued audit statements that have been found to be misleading and outright dishonest. Imagine after having to create an accountability board to see that the integrity of the accounting profession is being upheld. The purpose of this board is to address accountants' ethical lapses and competency deficiencies. The Securities Exchange Commission chairman declared the model they have set up sends a loud and clear message that the era of self-regulation of the accounting profession is over. Furthermore, Mr. Pitts went on to imply that the accounting standards are not the problem, but rather the problem lies in compliance and execution according to the standards of that profession. For years, the profession has signed statements on audit reports representing them as fairly and accurately for the information contained therein. Now they've violated that sacred trust. What a sad, sad commentary on the integrity of those that furnish reliable information regarding businesses of our nation. Unfortunately, it's just a symptom of what's going on. People have become so possessed with a desire to achieve worldly recognition, power, and wealth, that they have lost their sense of what is right. They have violated the standards that must be upheld for the 
sake of our nation and any other nation. Brigham Young taught the pioneers, we want the pioneers to increase in goodness. Tell our mechanics, for instance, are so honest and reliable that this railroad company will say, give me a Mormon elder for an engineer, then none have the least fear to ride. For if he knows there is danger, he will take every measure to preserve the life of those entrusted to his care. And he went on to say, I want to see our elders so full of integrity. They'll be preferred by this company for their engine builders, watchmen, engineers, clerks, and business managers. If we live our religion and are worthy of the name of Latter-day Saints, they are just the men that such businesses can be entrusted with perfect safety. If they do not, it will prove that we are not living our religion. Perhaps we need to paraphrase the words of Brigham Young by saying, I want to see our elders so full of integrity they'll be preferred by corporate America as their accountants, auditors, clerks, businessmen, and corporate executives. President Eldon, Ann Eldon Tanner gave us this challenge when he said, There's far too much immorality, dishonesty, lack of integrity in the lives of those who are leading and guiding the affairs of nations, our schools, and our communities. Somehow we must get back to the lofty ideals, high-minded principles which have characterized the lives of those who fought and died for truth, religion, and freedom. The second major concern that troubles me is the de decline of those who desire to affiliate with Christian religious denominations. While they continue to profess faith and Christian principles, many no longer have confidence in the structured organization that is supposed to help them retain their faith. Recently, it was reported that confidence in religious organizations has declined from the early 1990s from 60 percent to 42 percent today. We now face the challenge of almost standing alone and declaring to the world that the heavens are not closed. The Lord continues to reveal His will to mankind through a structure that has established order and consistency and unity in building His gospel kingdom. Remember how early in His ministry He called twelve others to assist Him. Then as the work expanded, He called seventy more, and they were declared to declare their witness of our Lord and Savior to the world. After His death, we find Paul declaring the need for a structured organization. And He gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying the body of Christ, till we all come to a unity of the faith and a knowledge of the Son of God and to the perfect man and to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried by every wind of doctrine and slight of man and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So with the world in turmoil, we find the Church stronger than it's ever been. Now we've come to a place to be spiritually lifted and motivated so that we will not be taken in by worldliness, by violence, lack of morals, 
the lack of ethics and integrity that we see all around us. It is a time to strengthen and prepare ourselves for the future. I've never had the privilege of attending Education Week except as a speaker. I've often wondered the mystique that occurs here as you travel so many miles to come and attend each year. I've always, I always attempted to get my brothers and sisters to join me in July when I had a little free time from travel assignments. My brother Bob, before he passed away, would never join us in July for a family gathering. His whole year's plan revolved around his August trip to Utah to attend Education Week. <laughs> if we wanted him to attend a family gathering, it had to be in August before or after this week. There must be something of great therapeutic value, a refuge from the trials of life which you seek as you attend conference each year. Is it here you come to find a refuge from the storm? I've asked two regular attenders to come and join me today to see what is this magnetic draw that brings you to Brigham Young University campus each August. First, Ida Mae Griffin, will you come and join me? Stand up tall there, Ida Mae. It's Ada. <laughs> Ada Mae. Ada. I know it was Ada, but I wrote Ida down here. Where are you from? Uh, Garland, Utah. Garland, Utah. My goodness. But I was born in Logan. Ah, uh, in Logan? Right. Where in Logan? Two blocks from you. Oh, my goodness. What was your maiden name? <laughs> it was Wall. Wall? You're not related to Ruth Wall. Yes, I am. My goodness. <laughs> How are you related? She's my older sister, and she's taller than I am. Uh -huh. You weren't that little sister that caused all the trouble when we were having parties at Ruth, were you? Oh, no. I wouldn't have done that. Uh, <laughs> how long have you been coming to Education Week? Well, probably 35 years, but not consecutive. 35 years. Why do you come? I love to learn, and I, I don't retain it, so I have to keep coming back. Uh, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Do you bring anyone with you? Well, yes. I bring my grand, my husband, and I brought my daughters. And then when my grandkids got big, and I wasn't smart enough to bring my children, but that was a mistake. I bring my grandchildren now, and it's wonderful. So it's not only a time of coming to learn, it's a time of gathering, to be together with wonderful people and experiencing the opportunity of being here and enjoying the warmth and love of friendly relationships. Ada, it's good to have you here. Thank you. Now, I want to tell you something about a, an experience I had with, the fam, with our family just earlier this month that I think all of us could learn from as we draw. So, Ada, thank you for the opportunity and being with me today. Give Ruth all my best, will you? Will. <laughs> this uh, first part of August, I reach a major milestone in my life. I was passing from middle age to old age. I was celebrating my 80th birthday. <laughs> to celebrate it, I decided to... <laughs> Thank you. To celebrate it, I just decided to take my children and grandchildren on a tour to Logan, my hometown, and tell them of the impact this city had on my life. Our first stop was at Maddox in Perry, Utah. 
The only thing of importance in all of Perry, Utah is Maddox. <laughs> After dinner, we caravaned over to Logan, where I designated nine stops I wanted my family to see. Each stop I selected a scripture to teach them a lesson of the importance of that particular location in my life. Stop number one, Logan High School. Lesson, live up to your potential. Scripture, for they will not open their mouths, but they hide the talents which I have given them because of the fear of men. I was very shy going through high school. I did not take advantage of the opportunities were there, that was there to enlarge and build my talents. I was afraid to try. The lesson I wanted to teach my grandchildren was to live up to their potential. Be not afraid to try. Have confidence in yourself. You probably won't see, succeed at anything the first time you try, but successive attempts will, be, will bring confidence in the development of new talents. Second stop, the Logan Tabernacle. Lesson, the joy of gospel service. Scripture, that ye may learn that when you're in the service of your fellow beings, you're only in the service of your God. My father was the cast stake presidency for some 20 years. My sister told me today, 22 years. It seemed appropriate to stop at the old tabernacle where we held our many state conferences to teach the lesson of church service and the great joy it will bring in your life and a sure way of developing skills for human relationships. You enter the church service with a pure intent to build our Father in Heaven's kingdom. The Lord more than compensates you for the time and effort with blessings which increase your talents and abilities to be used in further service. It is impossible to stay even with the Lord. Third stop, where my father had his law office. Lesson, select your profession early. Scripture, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some covet after, they have erred from their faith and pierced themselves with much sorrow. But, oh, but thou, O man, flee from these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. I related to them how I'd prepared to enter the banking profession. Dad was the bank attorney. From my newspaper delivery earnings, I'd saved enough to buy 10 shares of the First National Bank stock. Dad insisted that I attend the stockholders' meeting at the bank every year and vote my 10 shares. He thought that was a way of introducing me into the banking profession. After I graduated from college, an offer came that offered more money than the banking profession. I thought I'd accept it for a few years and then return to the bank. I never became a banker. I tried to, I tried to teach my grandchildren the selection of a major in college is not as important as developing good study habits, integrity, ethics, and building a character of a person of faith, confidence, and industry. Fourth stop, my birthplace. Lesson, the value of our heritage. Scripture, behold, I have given unto you the names of our first parents. And this I have done, that when you remember your names, you may remember them. And when you remember them, you may remember their works. And when you remember their works, you may remember how it, that it was said and also written 
that they were good. I was given the name of my father. I honored my father, and I wanted to retain the same values he had established. Our heritage gives us enduring values that will be with us now and throughout all eternity. Fifth stop, our old family home. Lesson, the blessing of good parents. Scripture, I, Nephi, having been born of good par goodly parents, therefore I was taught somewhat in the, all the learning of my father. I tried to teach them the, cre the credit they achieve in life really mostly belongs to your parents for the wonderful start they give you. My father was hardworking, a good provider, a sterling example of service, honor, and integrity. He loved his family and made time for us in his busy life. Mother was always there to teach and encourage us. She was a great homemaker, a careful housekeeper, an excellent manager of household finances, a wonderful cook. How I loved and honored my parents. Sixth stop, the comfort in. Lesson, accept the challenge of change in your lives. Scripture, that which is of God is light, and he that receiveth light and continueth in God receiveth more light. And that light groweth brighter and brighter until the perfect day. We checked in the motel. After checking in, I gathered the family together and told them, tonight you're going to be sleeping in our old cow pasture. That's where the, this whole motel has been built. My, how times have changed. I'll always be grateful that I grew up in an age where we plowed, planted, tended, irrigated, and harvested. It was a very important part of our lives. Future generations will have little opportunity to enjoy the same blessings we received. The world is in rapid change. Somehow we must find a way to hold on to basic unchangeable values and yet be ready for additional revealed light, which will lead us to greater opportunities. Seventh stop, to get an Aggie ice cream cone. Lesson, the value of tradition. Scripture and that same sociality that exists among us here will exist among us there, only it will be coupled with eternal glory, which glory we do not now enjoy. Having an ice, Aggie ice cream cone every trip to Logan has become one of our many traditions. More important are traditions of church activity, church service, family loyalty, and so forth. Special traditions we establish here with, family, with members of our family will endure. We should build traditions that are strong in our remembrance that will last even through the eternities. Stop number eight, Utah State University. Lesson, the value of taking time to have a happy, successful courtship. Lesson, again verily I say unto you that whosoever forbiddeth to marry is not ordained of God, for marriage is ordained of God unto man. I explained to them that most of my courtship occurred on the USU campus, dances, ball games, meeting in the hall between classes, walking across the quad to the library, studying in the library, institute classes together, special walks around the campus, etc., all giving time to become better acquainted, 
to enjoy the richness of a relationship that was being developed. It became the most important thing in my life at that time. When this time comes to you, I explained to them, it will affect all you do. Make it precious and special. Ninth stop, the Logan Temple. Lesson, the importance of the temple in your life. Scripture, in the celestial glory there are three heavens or degrees. In order to obtain the highest, a man must enter into this order of the priesthood, meaning the new and everlasting covenant of marriage. If he does not, he cannot obtain it. The center of our lives must be centered in the holy temple. We must always be worthy to enter. If we live worthy of the covenants we make with the Lord in His house, we literally bind Him to give us the blessings He has promised us. I am sure the Lord will fulfill His promises if we will be faithful to the covenants we make with Him. As we ended our tour, we journeyed to the old Logan Ninth Ward building. I had arranged a room there for my family to gather. My secretary down here was good enough to prepare a PowerPoint presentation on my life. The picture started with my grandparents, parents, and on through my life. Then marriage, the blessing of children, then a collage of pictures of events that we had enjoyed as our family together. Sunday morning we attended the Ninth Ward cha- Church service of the Ninth Ward Chapel. The construction of that building had been under the supervision of my father as he served as bishop. He was only bishop for 18 years. There I had the opportunity of bearing my witness and testimony of the blessings that come through the gospel. We then drove to our home in Salt Lake, where before I allowed them to enjoy a beautiful birthday dinner my wife had prepared, I quizzed them on what they had learned. It's amazing the strength of witnesses to your grandchildren and what they retain out of an experience if you'll just give it to them. Then I again bore witness of the divinity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ada May, you come to find friends and associations. It's the greatest thing we can find in life. Be sure you build those while you're here and have the wonderful experience of finding a great refuge with strength and support with those that believe like you do. Now, let's try one more. Frank, where are you? Frank, come up and join me. Frank Margiata. Where are you from, Frank? From Long Island, New York. Long Island, New York. Where in Long Island? Farmingdale, Plainview Stake. Plainview, Plainview Stake. My right. goodness. Is that the, the building that was constructed out of the refuge of the old Mormon pavilion at the World's Fair? That is correct. My, and what position do you have there? Right now I'm serving as bishop for the past eight months. Isn't it interesting? Just walking in here, I find one that is related to one of my old schoolmates, (laughs) and here's the bishop of the building that we took down from the old World's Fair that I had the privilege of serving as a missionary many years ago. Frank, it's good to have you here. Why do you come here? For spiritual rejuvenation and to seek learning in uh-huh. my life. How long have you been coming? Well, to the best of my recollection, I know it's at least 19 years in a row, but perhaps 20th. 19 or 20 years. 
you, what do you retain out of these experiences? Well, <laughs> I too, like Sister Griffin, I have to come back to, because I forget. But I, I have retained quite a bit, and uh, depending what position I have and where I'm serving, I seek out for that uh, particular class that I might be interested in. Uh -huh. that time. You see the secret here? If you're going to learn the gospel of Jesus Christ and this eternal study, you have to repeat and repeat and repeat in order to find the glories that come from the gospel of our Lord and Savior. Frank, study hard this time. I will. <laughs> Take a few notes so you'll remember what you have here when you get home. I have a thick notebook. Good. And will you give all the people of Plainview Ward my deep thanks I for all will. they do and take care of that beautiful church. I will. Thank you, Frank. Thank you. Thank you for having me here today. So you come to learn the beauties of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which will enrich your life and give you the greatest refuge you can possibly find. The gospel will give you peace and assurance and eternal blessings awaiting for those who live righteously. As we are prepared to study, as we were preparing to study to give the new general authorities one year some instruction, we had each member of the 12 take one of the important doctrines, essential doctrines of the kingdom. One was on the great plan of happiness. As years have passed, I can't remember who wrote this particular one. It's too good for mine, I'm sure. So I must give credit to one of the twelve that prepared this statement. But I think it explains something we're all seeking. Our Heavenly Father has made available to us, all of His children, the same plan, system, and grand design by which He Himself became God. It is called the great plan of happiness, the plan of salvation, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It consists of infinite, eternal, absolute, unchanging principles. The plan is complete in every particular, capable of reaching without compulsion to every phase of man's existence, from pre-mortal through mortal, on to the resurrection of the body and into eternity. There is no condition of intelligence existing to which the plan cannot apply if individuals will willingly obey. There is no extraneous proviso, nothing to be added or taken from. Although individuals can be blessed through the gospel, the fullness is realized only in the family. The plan is the Father's. Jesus made it His by total obedience to the Father's will. The creation, the fall, and the atonement are essential to the implementation and fulfillment of the plan. These profound words cause us to strive through mortality, to learn the blessings the Lord has given to us, to be prepared to stay abreast of His glorious gospel plan. We came here to learn. We need to leave with a desire to continue our studies. To be able to seek refuge from the storm, we must progress as far as we can to an understanding of the great wealth of information that's available to us. It should be both spiritual and secular in knowledge. We must again remind ourselves to seek knowledge out of the best books, out of television, satellite, internet, radio, Seek learning even by study and also by faith, and learn to share them with our children. Our refuge from the storm must be based on the gospel of our Lord and Savior.
Perhaps comforting words would come from Helaman as he instructed his sons. Now, my sons, remember, remember that it is upon the rock of our Redeemer, who is Christ, the Son of God, that we must, that you must build your foundation, that when the devil shall send forth his mighty winds, yea, his staff, his whirlwind, yea, all his hail and mighty storm shall beat upon you, it shall have no power over you to drag you down into the gulf of misery and in this woe because of the rock upon which ye are built, which is a sure foundation, a foundation whereon if men build, they cannot fail. So my witness to you today is that gospel that you learn here is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It will not fail you in your life. It will bless you through this mortal experience and on into the eternities to come. May God bless you with a desire to learn more of His way and to be obedient to His law is my humble prayer. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Our Heavenly Father, we come before Thee at the conclusion of this wonderful devotional, wonderful devotional and we give Thee thanks. We express our love to Thee. We are so grateful to have these opportunities to draw closer to Thee, and we pray that this message that has such wonderful components will seep into our souls, that we will be enriched, we will, we will be enlivened, and that we will, in fact, go forth and do better in our service to our families and others within our purview. We express our love for Elder Perry and his dear wife and for all the brethren and sisters who provide such excellent service in thy kingdom and such examples to us. We pray that we may go forth and emulate their examples and, and be better and do better. We pray that thy Spirit will attend us throughout our time here at Education Week, that all will be well with our homes and families, and that we will learn the things that will allow us to be better and to be more Christ-like. We again express our love and thanks to thee. And say this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to the Jesus Christ, Our Savior and Redeemer podcast, presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts of recent speeches, classic speeches, and BYU speeches compilations on overcoming adversity by study and by faith. Come follow me, love and marriage, and the prophet Joseph Smith. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.